Okay, so in 2014, there's a new director of the MIT Media Lab, Joey Ito, and instead of trying to... It, he wants to come up with a good slogan, and the classic academic slogan is publish or perish, right? You have to get research out there or else you'll perish. And he wanted mm -hmm. the Media Lab to like get stuff into the real world. So he came up with the slogan, deploy or die. And he met with, and then, so he became the director. He came out with the slogan, deploy or die. It was this big splashy thing. He met with President Obama for some like innovation initiative thing. And he's really proud of this new slogan. And he's meeting with Obama for the first time. And he says, and our slogan is deploy or die. And Obama looks at him and goes, you have to get a better slogan. Is that the end of the story? Brutal. Brutal. That's the end of the story until now. <laughs> OpenAI releases a video yesterday. Sam Altman is at the front of it. And what does he say uh, OpenAI does? Research and deployment. Now, is that not a thousand times better of a slogan? Research Just and deployment. Research and deployment? Yes. That's like not even a slogan. Because it's a spin on research and development. Oh my goodness. Okay. I guess. is It's so much better. I was like upset when he said it. And then I was like, wow, this is like a much better version of the Media Lab one. I am going to have to vehemently disagree. <laughs> wow. You think because deploy no... or die is I mean, a good yeah. slogan? It's not catchy. It's like, you know, deploy <laughs> or what die. Is it? What? Research and deployment? No. Oh, oh, you're saying research and deployment is not catchy. Yeah, deploy or die is catchy. It's got alliteration. And it, like, you know, it conveys, like, a value. You know, it conveys, like, a, you know, move fast and, like, you know, uh, you know, like, yeah, move fast, basically. It, it conveys some sort of urgency. Whereas research and, and deployment is, like, it's like you're just saying the two things you do. I don't think it's even a slogan. I th are you sure it's, is it, <laughs> I mean, it's not a slogan. It a slogan. It's not a slogan. No, it's not. Right. Not, yeah. None of you, but it's neither such is a bad the, slogan. The it doesn't even qualify as a slogan. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> the other one isn't the slogan either. I the just used die, the word could be a slogan. slogan. It's not a slogan though. A you don't say we're the MIT media lab deploy or die. <laughs> I think people have definitely said that. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like a mantra actually. That's, that's what I should have said. Uh, what about a motto? When you look up, when you Google deploy or die, it says that this is the new motto of the Media Lab. Okay. But I think motto and slogan, I don't know. I don't, there's a distinction without a difference, I guess. I think of slogans as being a little longer. Yeah. Hmm. Mottos are specifically short phrases. Look, the point is, I don't, are you, did uh, Sam Altman say that research and deployment is a motto? No, he just or said it's, it's just, he just said it's what they do. Okay, well... I feel like I'm but, getting attacked for the word slogan here. It's really, this is this is an issue between Sam Altman and Joe Ito. I'm just conveying the story here. Also, I thought the Media Lab thing was demo or die. That was the like, that was that was the that was an older one. Okay, because you are right that it's deploy or die. Like when yeah. you look it up, yeah, uh, it there's like an article about it. You know, yeah, uh, the original the, Media Lab was demo or die oh, instead okay. of publish or perish, and then Joey Ito wanted. We can't just demo. We have to deploy. Oh, got it. Okay. So there's an additional, there's a middle step. There's a, yeah, Joey there's Ito a, didn't go straight from publish or perish to deploy or die. No. Okay. No, he needed Nicholas Negroponte to, to give him that one step. <laughs> wow. Good story, Kenny. <laughs>
So let's you know what? This. We're going to cut this all out. <laughs> For the best. Okay. OpenAI announces a $100 million fund for AI startups that they're going to uh, fund around wow. GPT-3, which is cool. And it, I guess the announcement was within Microsoft Build Conference, which I didn't even know was going on, but Sam Altman mentioned it in the video. So, Is this even on Hacker News? It didn't get as much attention. It was on the front page for a little while yesterday and then kind of fell off. But uh, OpenAI announces funding for startups is on the front page. And there's uh, the usual, uh, you know, whatever you call it on in the comments. Yeah. Bashing. The, the, the usual the bashing. You call it. There's the usual bashing. <laughs> right. A hundred million bucks. And they're giving them out to they're giving it out to companies who are built on top of GPT three? Not necessarily, but that seems like where they want to put their efforts. They just said they'll do AI in general. But they also said they kind of had some specific initiatives like education, healthcare, climate and energy, and virtual assistance and new interfaces. Okay. And it seems like he, he mentioned GPT-3 and the, the APIs that they have. So it's basically, are you using the current open AI uh, APIs? Well, I think this is uh, good. I think it's a good move. And I think it's going to really help them capture uh, more of that light cone. Yeah, you got to capture that light cone of, yeah, of all of future all value. future human value. Yeah. yeah. Good for them. Uh, okay. MDN Plus. Did you see the MDN Plus announcement? No. But that sounds like it's coming out of Microsoft Built. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Except uh, you have to assume that the Firefox people, you know, don't uh, don't like the Microsoft people terribly much. That's true. What is MDN Plus? Uh, I think it's I think it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that someone in 2021 would put out like turn some service into a premium subscription service and call it blah 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 plus is uh it's already been like a joke format now for longer than it's been like a real like thing that people do uh you know real like naming convention for premium services but it really is it's mdn the web documentation site putting out a premium offering that costs five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year uh, new premium service with monthly technical deep dives, dives written by industry experts and powerful new features to personalize your MDN experience. It's uh, incredible. You know, MDN is like very beloved. It's a lot of, uh, you know, some of the best like web documentation on the internet is all maintained by the, you know, by Mozilla. Uh, recently, there was a whole scandal where Mozilla fired a bunch of the full-time employees who've been working on MDN uh, because they basically were it's just like a big cost center for them and so they were trying to like cut down on the costs of mdn uh it seems to still be going you know pretty strong they never announced any intent to shut it down or anything and clearly um they're just it's part of just like uh this is another part of their strategy towards trying to make mdn i guess uh, revenue positive uh and so you know they they fired a bunch of people and then they're launching this premium service uh one big deep dive per month uh and so these deep dives there are some listed here that are upcoming modern css in the real world a robust css pattern library modern responsive web design security considerations in development and gdpr dsar ccpa and kappa so many acronyms learn mozilla's framework to handle privacy laws uh it's pretty i mean 
I don't I don't even know what I think about it. I think maybe that last one, you know, the the acronym one is like pretty interesting and, you know, to a certain type of person who's like, you know, really needs to worry about uh, this stuff for a big company, then this could be the kind of canonical resource, like possibly on the whole web. Uh, but then, then again, it's like, it's learning about Mozilla's framework, not necessarily about how you yourself uh, as a web developer, you know, what you need to do to be, I guess, compliant. So <laughs> I don't right. know. I have a hard time seeing the value proposition. Is are there is it currently ad based is uh, on the site if you're when you're not paying? I think it's, it's nothing based. It's nothing. Okay. Yeah. I I'm, do. I have another suggestion. I'm doing. I'm giving a lot of free advice here. So uh, if any of these companies want to reach out this. to me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, MDN should just hire one guy who is the world's expert on SEO and the only thing that they should be focused on is figuring out how to get their search results to come up before W3 schools. But it turns out that every single, every single Google query will show up with W3 schools first and then an MTN link lower down the page. They have comprehensively lost this war. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And you often yeah. have to scroll down below, like the ad break, like the, mm-hmm. or like the people also ask, like section. Of... Oh, like, you know that's bad. Yeah. And then the top suggestion on people also ask is just your exact query with MDN after it. <laughs> and yeah. That's the number one. I know. So, well, that's a good suggestion. But uh, if I was going to put money on it, I would say the dozen people that were working full time on MDN that were recently fired. We're probably all working on this problem. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are incredibly acutely aware of it. And just they're the best yet, you know, the, an SEO prodigy could not, uh, could not pull them out, uh, pull this out for them. I wonder if, if Google is like, I don't know, de-emphasizing it so that maybe like less traffic is kind of sent over to a Firefox adjacent product, you know, now there's a conspiracy. Yeah. I think this is a blog post. <laughs> if everyone starts using MDN all the time, then, uh, you know, who knows? People may start switching to Firefox, and then it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Firefox to Brave and other browsers that make Google exactly no money at all. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, that is a conspiracy. All right, so there's a, a sort of not actually uh, ask HN, but it ends in a question mark, so people kind of shared some stories which is, have you ever hurt yourself programming? <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's tragic. First of all, I don't even know the how. I, I didn't see why this guy was taking a video, but the blog post, uh, have you ever hurt yourself from your own code, shows this guy doing some audio processing and then uh, hits the like loudest static possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he, he like falls out of his chair. Uh, and he explained some mistakes, like having his headphones on in the first place. And oh my like, god! Yeah, it's it's brutal. Is, he, uh, is this like GIF? It might be a GIF of okay, not okay. the real guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Or he must have recorded it afterwards. Because all right, there's a GIF on here of this guy supposedly accidentally playing the super loud static, and then he just like freaks out when he starts playing it. But then he just kind of like 
continue screaming without taking the headphones off. Yeah. I think this was recorded after the fact. That's a good comedic point. effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's in the comments just a series of, of, tra- <laughs> of tragic tales of people hurting themselves. So, like <laughs> playing with a robot arm and like shattering like glasses of wine and other random stuff. So it's a fun read of some uh, hurting yourself with code. It's a smart approach, which is naming your blog post you know like giving your blog post a title that's also a question yeah and then you just like give your own answer to it and then whenever people see it on hacker news they feel obliged to answer the question themselves in the comments it's a real uh real cheat code to get some uh, some of that sweet engagement it's pretty good on your post well done and this is on uh nikita nikita's blog nikita's.link this looks great and more audio programming. There was that uh, yeah story yesterday that we didn't cover, which is uh, you know introduction to audio programming or something like that. Yeah. So I guess people are everyone's uh, you know trying to make their own clubhouse and getting into it. Everybody's trying to make their own usable podcast editor. <laughs> someday somebody's gonna crack it. We don't we don't want to get into it, Kenny. We we don't have time to start working on a podcast editor. All right. <laughs> And we don't want to drag, you know, the company that we're currently using to make this podcast. Who knows? They may be vindictive and kick us off. It rhymes with Schmiverside. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Ooh. Did you see the collusion rings in computer science research? Oh, I saw this headline, but I didn't get around to uh, reading it. Uh, what what kind of collusion rings are happening? So there's no... This isn't like an expose of a particular one. Uh, the person writing it, the professor intentionally like didn't use any names and kept the kind of description of what these people are doing vague so that no one could get into, you know, real trouble. But the idea is that uh, he like there's like a documented case of a major computer science conference. Uh, basically, uh, you know, different professors using a kind of collusion ring in order to get all their papers accepted and through the peer, peer review process which is this that like they kind of under the table, you know, sh- uh, submit papers and then they all, you know, apply to like be a peer reviewer at the conference. And they just share with each other the names, like the titles of the papers they're submitting. And then they all just kind of like, you know, signal boost each other's papers and try to get the, you know, volunteer to, uh, you know, to review the p- papers by their like fellow collusion ring members. And then, uh, everyone's papers just get into the conference and, uh, it sounds like, you know, this is a pretty serious, serious issue. Uh, no one really knows, like, how often this has happened. Uh, some fun, or not fun, but, like, kind of interesting, like, side note in this article is, uh, I guess there was a conference who kind of, like, uh, let's see, the neural, oh, NIPS. Okay, so uh, NIPS in 2014, uh, instead of just having, like, a single, like, peer review system for reviewing the uh, all the incoming papers, they just, like, split the entire system into two like independent review committees uh just to see like how much agreement there was so like all the peer reviewers were just like randomly assigned to one committee or the other and uh they don't have all the details about how it went down but they say that this like 60 percent of papers accepted by one program committee were rejected by the other uh so like even in this like random scenario there's like you know pretty low noise or low signal rather in the review process um you know, at least like, I guess like 40% of papers, you know, they, both committees decided were good enough to get through. Um, or at least they agreed on 40% of papers. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting that there was uh, 
the actual review process is like pretty heavily dependent on just like the specifics of the people doing the review, which I suppose is uh, not terribly surprising. Yeah, not terribly surprising. And I, this is I, I definitely want to read this now. I feel like it relates to another and even like like uh, subtler problem with some of these peer review feedbacks with like if you're doing groundbreaking research in a very particular topic there is no double blind like peer review possible right because you could take the author off and you still know exactly who wrote it because they're the only person working on it right wild i never even thought about that this is all just kind of a sham yeah in a uh, in a small enough research community everyone knows what everyone else is working on presumably exactly